to another exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, also known as Patient Zero, Mr. <laughs> Rob Kelly from the Aquaman Shrine. How are you holding up there, buddy? I'm hanging on by a thread, but uh, <laughs> I'm really, really happy to be back in the new year and just to have our show back after we got kidnapped by uh, Ryan and Frank. Uh, for those of you who don't know the story... Uh, Ryan and, and, and Frank, of course, took over the show. They had uh, Shag and I uh, holed up in this uh, wildlife refuge in Oregon, but uh, apparently some other people were coming in and they had to get rid of us, so now we have our show back, and I'm very, very happy. Well, I, th- I think it was all the black mold uh, where we were being held hostage what got you so sick. I mean, you sound terrible, man. I picked something up pretty nasty, so yeah, yep. this is the Vulcan death cult. So bear with me, everybody, through this uh, show as I try not to uh, cough up a lung as I talk about Batman comics. You know, the interesting thing is it's been probably a, almost a month since you and I recorded together. That's um, right. Because, I mean, there's been Hero Points. Uh, we had the episode about Sean Engel. We had uh, the, the fill-in episode with the guys, the 150th anniversary. I mean, it's, it's been a while. In fact, the last time we recorded together was for Force Awakens, I guess. I guess so. Which was, wasn't even a real show. It was that film and water weird spinoff thing. That's true. Not a real show. It's true. <laughs> it's a new year, buddy. <laughs> the hits just keep coming. New year, same jokes. <laughs> Different jokes, but anyway. So um, New Year's same attitude. Same attitude. That is accurate. All right, folks. But first thing we're going to do here before I beat on my friend Rob anymore, kick him while he's down, uh, we're going to take a second to thank our sponsor. This episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, Rob? Uh, based on the book that I'm going to be talking about shortly, I have The Art of Neil Adams' soft cover. Uh, it's from his Ben Casey newspaper strip to his creepy magazine work to the groundbreaking comic books. 
Neil Adams' work serves as an inspiration for every illustrator who works in the field. Coincide, he must have written this copy himself. Co- <laughs> coinciding with the launch of his continuity studio, Adams expanded into cutting-edge advertising work, amusement park ride design, magazine <laughs> illustration, animation, and paperback book covers. Included in this collection are classic and rare works spanning the artist's noted career and a unique selection of Neil Sedum's seldom-seen paintings. Uh, it's from Vanguard Productions. It's a full-color book, 136 pages. Normal price is $24.95. In stock trades price is $18.71. That's 25% off. If you're a fan of Neil Adams and who isn't, I'm sure you will love this book. Uh, I guess to hear about his tectonic plate theories, you got to get the deluxe hardcover. But uh. Go with the softcover one, $18.71. It's got an amazing cover, which I guess it's Tarzan. It's some sort of Tarzan-y looking dude. It's really great. It's, it's Neil Adams. It's awesome stuff. You stole my joke about his water and the earth theory. Darn it. I was going to use that. Um, I am picking Spider-Man Death of Jean De- or Jean DeWolf. Jean DeWolf, however you want to say it. Premier hardcover. This collects uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 107 to 110 and then the follow-up 134 to 136. Now, this is – the interesting thing, this is Peter David's first professional comic writing assignment. And it's a, it's a very powerful story. If you haven't read it, it's, uh, it, it will move you. I heard a, a recent coverage of it over on the Dave's Daredevil podcast. Dave talked about this story. Really, really interesting coverage uh, on that. You should check it out. But great, great story. And um, the art is by Rich. Rich Buckler, uh, which is, of course, who does the uh, art for the comic I'm going to be covering today. So be sure to check this out. 168 pages, full color. Normally retails, again, this is a hardcover. Normally retails for $24.99. You can get it 42% off right now in stock trades. You can get $14.49 for a fantastic story and the follow-up that went with it. So, again, for all your collecting needs, please check out InStockTrades.com. Well, all right, Rob. So it's fair to sell, say uh, what we wanted to cover today. We wanted to find our joy. Rob and I are struggling. With- and yet we're back here together. <laughs> oh, come on. We love each other. All right. Anyway, so we wanted to find our joy, and we decided we would touch, uh, sort of tap into our, what we love about Firestorm and Aquaman, which is the old stuff that we grew up on. And we're going to cover this episode, one issue of Batman Brave and the Bold featuring Aquaman. And we're going to cover... DC Comics Presents featuring Superman and Firestorm. Can't wait. But, folks, be sure to hang around after the coverage of the comics and after the break. We have got a fan-damned-tastic announcement to make. Don't oversell it. No, this is important. This is huge about the future of the Fire and Water podcast. Ooh. They're all wondering. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rob? You want to take us uh, start us first with this? Uh, uh, fish? Yeah, uh, I am covering uh, Brave and the Bold number eighty-two, which is uh, from uh, March nineteen sixty-nine. Uh, it features Batman and Aquaman. Uh, the story is called "The Sleepwalker from the Sea" by Bob Haney. Hey, hey, and art by Neil Adams. Zany Haney. Zany Haney. Now, okay, I have to, I have to give you a little bit of a ten thousand foot level here, in that. I originally was like, look, I'm sick. It's hard for me to talk. I have a respiratory infection, and I didn't want to talk that much, which makes it like the perfect shag show. Uh, So (laughs) I I was like, I'm going to actually sit and write out the plot of this issue. That way I can just read it and just zip right through it because I don't have to try and like talk as I'm going through it. But as I started to type... There is so much going on in this comic, I got tired. (laughs) I got tired of typing it. So now I gave up. So now I'm back to just having to talk to it. So we're going to do our best here. 
I'm obviously not going to hit all the beats because it's a Bob Haney story. This thing has more beats than I, you know, I don't know, whatever, you know, ancient rap reference you want to make. I'm a white person. What do I know? So anyway, this is this is Sleepwalker from the Sea. It's from Brave and the Bold. I said number 82, cover and art by Neil Adams. So it opens up with Batman patrolling the docks, the Gotham City waterfront. He sees a very, very uh, comely young woman, and there's a guy behind her sort of walking a couple of paces behind her. It certainly looks like she's in trouble. But just as the guy gets a little closer, a car drives by. She jumps in as if sort of like planned. The guy leaving the guy standing there to sort of dumbfounded. Then a guy in scuba gear comes up out of the water and shoots the guy, the the sort of dumbfounded guy in the back with a harpoon gun. So Batman's like, what the hell is going on? Then the car turns around, and as it drives by the uh, prostrate figure of the guy who was shot, the scuba guy picks up something off the ground that was dropped, some sort of medallion. He throws it into the car, and the car takes off. Batman jumps onto the car, tries to get the guy to stop. He gets thrown off. He grabs the driver. He's about to – he's trying to question him. He's like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden he feels, as he puts it, a grip like a king crab's bite. (laughs) You know, that's a thing. And he realizes that the person behind him looks a lot like Aquaman. This the, the same scuba guy shoots him in the back with the scuba gun. Batman uh, feels you know feels like this tremendous pain in his back. Dumps finds himself dumped into the uh, the river. Aquaman rescues him using his finny friends. Later, Batman wakes up under the um, auspices of a doctor and Commissioner Gordon, and they're talking about that the the guy that they were chasing. His name is Otto Chernak. That's the guy who got killed. And Batman says. Aquaman was basically helping Otto Chernak's killers. And Commissioner Gordon says, I know. You said it when we were pumping you out of the river, but it's crazy. Aquaman at Gotham City, incognito, aiding killers? It doesn't seem possible. The doctor tells Batman, you have to go and rest. And Batman's like, of course, I'm not going to go do that. He finds the medallion that they were looking for, and it's got a very particular design on it. A giant squid, a kraken. Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. So we're like, what is going on here? So uh, this, and Batman figures this has something to do with the new Marine City development that's going on in Gotham City. He, this is a great line of dialogue. He mentions, he says, I wanted to pump him about the new Marine City development. I had a tip there was something rotten about the deal, and Chernock was one of the behind-the-scenes biggest promoters. Whoever zapped him knew he was dame-happy. <laughs> yes, Batman used the phrase dame-happy. So anyway, he gets this idea of how to investigate further, and that is by questioning this woman, a model named uh, Elisa or Elsa, Dubois, who was sort of the spokesmodel for this new marine waterfront. But in the meantime, he has to cancel the date that he had, so he calls uh, this real groovy chick Honor, and he cancels out uh, her date on her, and she's very disappointed. She says, oh, darling Bruce, you break my heart. Why can't you take me seriously as a woman? I don't know what that, I don't, don't know what that means exactly. So anyway, he ends up breaking the date with Honor to go on the date with this uh, Elisa woman. They talk a little bit about the waterfront, Bruce Wayne makes a contribution, so he sort of says, uh, while I'm just a wishy-washy playboy, I get the message. Anyway, here's my check for $100,000. Does it sweeten your opinion of me a little? <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a little upset. Like, I, I have to tell myself that he's really playing the Bruce Wayne bit here because otherwise – He's trying to buy his way into her pants. Is he what really it looks is. Like a $100,000 check. So anyway, she gets offended by that. She storms off. But just as she does that, she drops a similar-looking uh, Kraken medal. Bruce Wayne tries to stop her. grabs her by the arm. She smacks him, pulls out a gun. <laughs> Bruce Wayne tries to stop her from getting shot. She then flips him over her shoulder and knocks and throws him over the balcony 
Uh, I forgot to mention they're at the they're the sort of Gotham skyscraper. She looks over the balcony, but of course he's gone. She can't figure out what's exactly happened to Bruce Wayne. She takes off, and it leaves Bruce Wayne uh, standing there grabbing one of the gargoyles dangling for his life, and he figures out, okay, something obviously seriously is going on. We then find out that this Elsa woman is in the company she's involved with is Marius Enterprises, and the guy running it is this real creepy-looking dude. Uh, She pulls back a curtain and shows a, a painting that she got of him made dressed as Ocean Master. So we find out that this guy is Ocean Master. He is Orm. He flips out. He does not want to be presented as Ocean Master. Bruce Wayne shows up. He confronts Orm. Orm then presses a button, opens a switch, and out comes Aquaman, dressed in normal clothes, which is kind of fun. Bruce Wayne and Aquaman get into a fight. Bruce says he could blazes. He took that punch uh, like a zombie. He never flinched. Aquaman takes up Bruce Wayne with just one throw, which is awesome. The next thing, Bruce Wayne uh, wakes up. He's being carried over the shoulder by Aquaman at the new Marine City Waterfront Redevelopment Clearance Project. Which is they have, again, they have those things. Bruce Wayne manages to jump off, and he talks with Aquaman. Aquaman seems like he's sort of like in a daze. He doesn't exactly seem like he's totally there. He explains to Bruce Wayne what has happened, that Orm is in fact his brother. And then we get a whole flashback explaining how Aquaman has tried to raise, tried to be sort of there for his brother, but Orm is a 'er ne'er-do-well, he's a sort of crooked, and he just doesn't want any love out of Aquaman because he's jealous of the relationship that uh, his, his brother had with their father. So this is all new facts. Batman never knew any of this stuff. So then we go down to uh, another flashback with Undersea. We see Aquaman in a really awesome panel at the top of the page, swimming through the water. By the way, if you like this panel, you're going to love it in JLA 190 when Rich Buckler stole it. But that's that's for another thing. <gasps> so, um, is, yes. So uh, we see Aquaman seeing a scuba diver who looks like he's about to pierce a narwhal. He attacks the scuba diver to get him to stop, but he accidentally uses too much force and kills the guy. He's wrecked with guilt. He's so wrecked with guilt that Ocean Master manages to take advantage of him. He convinces him that this is uh, that this is that they have bad blood. That they, this is something in their family. And Aquaman says, "I am not Orm's brother. The taint of evil, the tragic flaw. It's in the blood. It's always been there, submerged, and now it's surfaced." So Aquaman is sitting there, wracked with guilt, believing that he is no better than Orm. Commissioner Gordon shows up and they find Aquaman sitting in a chair, completely helpless and sort of crippled in, in his insecurity. This is page 15. So, <laughs> anyway. It's only another 32 pages to go, Rob. Hang in there. 32 pages to go. So, um, to snap Aquaman out of it, they bring in a doctor and Mira, who convinces Aquaman that he is, of course, a good person. He, uh, They do some work on his psyche, realizes he's okay. Then we find out that it's not exactly Mira, it's Honor, dressed as Mira. Uh, they figure that Aquaman wouldn't, uh, you know, in his day state, wouldn't figure out that that's not his real wife. So, and she looks pretty good from as, a, as Mira, I gotta say. Smoking hot, I think, would be the expression Absolutely. Of her so finally, Batman and Aquaman and uh, confront Ocean Master and Elsa at, back at his pad. He's now dressed in his full Ocean Master regalia. He drops, he Trapdoor, which uh, brings Batman and Aquaman into a tank full of sea creatures. Aquaman tries to use his pa- his uh, mental powers, of course, to talk to the fish, but it doesn't work. And we find it because Ocean Master has basically overruled Aquaman, and he's talking for them. So these sharks are attacking. Uh, 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 octopuses or octopi are attacking. Aquaman does manage to save Batman's life by getting him out of the way of a shark. Batman here mentions, he says, Aquaman has done his bit, now it's my turn. I'll relieve this black dye to give some cover while we find a way to out of this glorified 
fishbowl. The tank breaks. All the dangerous fish spill into the uh, spill into the room. Some of the police force start shooting the octopus. Aquaman tries to stop because he doesn't want to see his finny friends get shot. Um, Orm uses Elsa as a human shield, uh, showing that he does not care about her. She's very hurt by that. He then disappears into a uh, special room, and he leaves Elsa behind. We see that Aquaman, uh, Ocean Master has dived into a ship. He's disappearing. The sub is disappearing. They start shooting after Ocean Master, but Aquaman stops this bazooka that this uh, cop is firing. He says, I said he was not to be harmed. As Ocean Master <laughs> takes off, Commissioner Gordon is like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, why did Aquaman stop us from app- apprehending Ocean Master? Batman says, I agreed not to harm Ocean Master. Aquaman is still honoring the bond between him and his evil brother. So must we. There's a different law for them. Ocean Master will pay for his crimes in their world. <laughs> sure, that's Batman. So, <laughs> so anyway, in the room is the doctor and the cops and Commissioner Gordon, Elsa, and Batman. Batman offers to help Elsa with her uh, upcoming trial, saying that, of course, she was led astray by love. She rejects this and says, I don't want your Playboy pal's help. I loved Orm blindly, and he used me. But in his arms, I was alive. I dared everything. Nothing appears with that, and now I'm ready to pay for my foolishness. Batman takes off while Commissioner Gordon just sort of stares in wonderment. And that's the end of our story. Batman had it bad for this Elsa woman, man. I mean, he really wanted her. I mean, you know, offering to help Bruce Wayne help. He wrote her a check for $100,000. Bruce is, um, he's Randy. I apologize to all of you who tried to listen to that. I'm sure that was not easy. Uh, I probably should not have tackled a Bob Haney story on a moment where I'm, I'm slowly dying. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is a, as of course, it's Bob Haney. It's a completely crazy story. Batman just acts like a complete loon. I love the idea that he allows Aquaman to take care of it himself. I love the idea of the law of the sea. Uh, that's just such a great idea. But, yeah, I mean, and, and it's drawn by Neil Adams. It, of course, is beautiful to look at. Batman looks like the Grim Avenger of the night. Aquaman looks super. I love the way that um, Neil Adams drew Aquaman. Well, it's, it's an interesting piece because now it's worth mentioning the release date. This is the cover date of February to March 1969. Right. And this is, if I understand right, you can correct me out. This is very early Neil Adams on Batman, right? Yes. Didn't, didn't yeah. Neil Adams sneak his way into the Batman books through Brave and the Bold? Yeah, this is one of the early, like one of the first couple of Brave and the Bold that he did. And so he he's not, quite, you said he's the Dark Knight Avenger. I, I would say he's not quite because he's got like the little horns still. The bat horns are like still like Silver Age small. They're not like really really tiny, big and stuff. Well, I just mean the poses that he's, yes. he's putting Batman in very very mysterioso poses. I mean, right in the very first panel, yep. his cape is flowing, and then in the last panel, it's so you know, I just mean the, the in terms of uh, the moody setting. It's it is it's it's got that it's, it's a weird mashup because you've got your typical wordy kind of groovy Bob Haney script. You know, paired with this, like you said, gorgeous Neil Adams, very dynamic art. It's a strange, strange mashup. And, of course, hats off to Neil Adams. He does not know how to draw an ugly woman. Nope. Uh, well, okay. Uh, nowadays, back then, he didn't know how to draw an ugly woman. And uh, both these women, stunningly, smokingly hot. And uh, I, I could see why Bruce Wayne would trip over himself to be with them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, just in terms of his storytelling, his visual story, I mean, like, the panel of um, Bruce and Elsa in the penthouse restaurant, you know, it's just, like, amazing. He's got such a sense of scale. It really gives you an idea of, like, Gotham City of this vast, towering metropolis kind of thing. It's just, he just you know, he was at the height of his powers at this point. Yeah, very good stuff. Now, i got a couple questions for you. Uh, with Orm, is this the first time the name Orm Marius was ever used, or is that 
previous in that Aquaman appearance. He made a he only made a couple of appearances previous to this. Uh, I believe he was called Orm in the. I'd have to go back. I, I should know that off the top of my head, but I believe he was called Orm almost from the first issue because he was That's revealed true. to be Aquaman's brother early on. Right. I mean, it was it was kind of a similar story though, wasn't it? it wasn't like you know why won't Aquaman take you know yeah. beat up this guy kind of thing? Yeah. <clears throat> and it's kind of interesting too in this story as you're reading if you're reading reading the original or or a CRB CBR or whatever you'll find there is the the statement of circulation yes half a million copies yep. of brave and the bold circulating yep. at this point yep. that is wild a hundred copies of this comic book were in people's hands yep wow yep. what a different time what a different time yeah so it, you, it's, oh, I'm sorry go ahead I was just say, so did you love the comic? Did you think it was okay? What? Oh, I think I love it. It's great. I love the the the, the pseudo cameo by Mira. I mean, it's cra- it's crazy. It's it's Haney, of course, but it's you know it it gives the team it gives the co star a lot to do. It really is Aquaman's story. I mean, Batman gets stuff to do, but it really is Aquaman's story, and that's that's really great. And I said I love the way Neil Adams draws Aquaman. It's tremendous. It's just yeah. I this was one of the early Aquaman comics I got when I was old enough to shop at comic stores and look for pack issues and you know it's 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 just you know balls out kind of fun <laughs> it's one of the earlier aquaman appearances i got too because yep. when i first started buying the aquaman stuff i was looking for the old silver age series and, and things like this so yeah i was very pleased with it and it's and it's fair to say it's not completely zany haney yeah it's it's fairly you know i mean some of the dialogue is very florid stuff with the dames and things like that but in terms of the story beats you know it's a super villain with a trap door i mean it's kind of a scooby plot really because <laughs> it's it's Ocean Master, you know, buying property in Gotham City that he's going to turn into some nefarious thing. That's true, and, you, and they pull off the rubber mask at the end. You find out it's actually Ocean Master. Yep. That's fair. <laughs> All right, well, good stuff, folks. You can find that. That's reprinted in the uh, Brave and the Bold showcases. So definitely check those out. Up next, DC Comics presents featuring Superman and Firestorm. This would be issue number forty-five, cover dated May. 1982, but folks, if you want a brand new spanking copy of this, you need to uh, fly around the Earth, traveling uh, in time. Now, remember, go right to left if you want to go back in time is how that works. And uh, you go back to February 4th, 1982, and pick up a pristine copy of this one, but bring 60 cents with you because that's how much it cost on the cover. Now, just to give you a little bit of history and placement of this, uh, as I said, this came out in February of 82. Well, uh, Rob, have you ever heard of a little comic called Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man? I believe I have. Yes. Issue number one, which we covered on this very show uh, 25 months ago, I guess, or whatever. Uh, that comic came out one month after this one. So this comic was really sort of a, a, a backdoor promotion for the Firestorm's upcoming own series. So you, so you would get uh, Firestorm backup and Flash number 304 was the last Firestorm backup. That was in September 1981. So September 81... Then you jump forward to February 82, you get this comic that DC Comics presents. Then you jump forward one month later, and you get Fury of Firestorm number one. So that's what was going on with Firestorm at the time. He was just about to peak at a height of popularity that no one could have expected when this DC Comics Presents comic was put together. Uh, He was also appearing, by the way, in Justice League at this point. And uh, they're getting ready to do that cool Royal Flush Gang storyline, 203 Uh, to I love that story. Yeah, they're just getting ready to do that. So... This book is written by Jerry Conway, pencils by Rick, uh, Rick, I always say Rick, Rich Buckler, inks by Bob Smith, colors Gene D'Angelo, letter Ben Oda, editor Julie Schwartz with a cover by Ross Andrew and Frank Giacoya. Cover is uh, a blue background with a green um, 
what do you call it, aircraft carrier, and because you know that's what color they are, and you have Superman coming in from the left, you got Firestorm coming in from the right, and they're both fighting this guy who is pretty much naked except for gold, <laughs> gold trunks and gold boots, and he's got these weird crisscross patterns across his chest. That would make mm. a great name. It would. And he goes, "You heroes are going to learn something right now. Never cross crisscross with K's." He was so proud of himself when he came up with that name. He was pretty well. It's it, it it's you know we always talk about predestination. His name is Christopher Cross. So uh, sailing, take me away <laughs> where I'm. Never mind. Wow, that is worse than normal. Um, no, that's that. Uh, that was for you, David A. Gutierrez. <laughs> I think from going forward, every time I say crisscross, I'm going to say applesauce afterwards, because <laughs> that's what we have to say to my kids when they're when you, know, when you want them to sit down and put their you know sit cross-legged crisscross applesauce. Wow, I was like, where the hell? What are you? Oh, you never heard that? Yeah, you no. say that with kids. When you want kids to sit Indian style, uh, as they call it, you go crisscross applesauce. Wow, I did not know that. Okay. Yep. So, uh, like Rob, I hate doing story recaps. I suck at them. I do long, meandering, going off on tangents sort of story recaps. Not that you guys have heard anything like that recently. Um, So what I did was I'm pilfering a bit. Comics Vine happens to have a recap of this issue. So I used that sort of as my base, if you will. You know, it's, uh, if I was making a soup, this is like the, the stock. Uh, it's, it's mainly my own words, but I did use that as the basis. So just wanted to give credit to them so people didn't think I was completely ripping them off. All right. Our story opens on in, in some area with some foreign military staff. They're anxiously sitting around watching a radar screen. They're tracking one of their own agents who's in a plane that is returning from invading American airspace. Then suddenly you get this amazing two-page splash page. It's gorgeous. Superman is literally gutting this enemy jet by flying through it. Um, And this jet happens to be carrying an American traitor whose name is Christopher Cross. Applesauce. Cross, uh, as the ship, as the planes destroy, Cross bails out of the damaged plane, and he's still clutching these stolen computer chips and a plutonium pack that he's planning to sell to America's enemies. And the pilot bails out as well. Then in this next moment, I can't decide whether this is a perfect example of super dickery or super patriotism. I'm not sure. But Superman uses his own super breath to blow both men further out to sea, away from the enemy coast where they would get away, and uh, back over U.S., I guess the the line where U.S. soil, or even though it's the middle of the ocean, but um, towards a U.S. International waters. Thank you. Blows them out there where a USS aircraft carrier is, or uh, the USS Rayburn. So basically, instead of letting them escape, he blew them back over into where American agents could arrest him. I think that's hilarious. Then in a freak accident, the traitor, crisscross applesauce, is struck by lightning. Superman rescues him and then delivers him into the custody of the Navy aboard the USS Rayburn. And they're hoping he'll survive on these injuries to stand trial for treason. Then the scene changes to half a world away where we see Firestorm. He is returning from stopping a group of muggers. And uh, Firestorm splits into his separate forms of Professor Martin Stein and Ronnie Raymond. As soon as Professor Stein returns to his laboratory, he is arrested for treason. Apparently, Stein is believed to have been an accomplice of this guy, Crisscross Applesauce, um, as, because the technology that Cross stole was developed at Stein's workplace, which is Concordance Research. Ronnie, who's hiding in Stein's office, over, uh, sorry, Ronnie, who's hiding in Stein's office, overhears all of this. Later that night. Ronnie is playing a very important basketball, a high school basketball game, 
and he's messing up left and right. His team loses, and partially it's due to Ronnie's inability to pay attention. Uh, the distraction over Stein's arrest has him all out of sorts. Ronnie decides they, they need to clear Stein's name and then triggers the transformation that turns both men into Firestorm. Professor Stein immediately disappears from where he is and is drawn to where Ronnie Raymond is, uh, and, and unfortunately, Stein was in the middle of an FBI interrogation. So this guy's interrogating Stein, and he vanishes. Uh, coincidentally, one of the reasons they were questioning Stein is because of his many sudden disappearances. Oops. So, thousands of miles away, uh, we go back to the USS Rayburn, which was that aircraft carrier in the Atlantic Ocean. It, it suffers an electrical system failure. Several vital systems are blown by the power surges, resulting in explosions on the deck. Then two of the jets, the aircraft jets, take off mysteriously and uh, fly away without pilots. So, Firestorm, uh, you know, now, clicking back to Firestorm, Firestorm is merged with him and the professor. Uh, Ronnie and the Professor, and Firestorm decides they need to get some help for the Professor. So they travel to Metropolis to find Superman. They don't know where to find Superman, so they fly to the Daily Planet and find this reporter, Clark Kent. They were told that if they ever want to find Superman, they should ask Clark Kent. Well, uh, Clark Kent then reveals himself to be Superman to Firestorm, which is pretty shocking. Uh, especially given, given, you know, that Superman changes in... He doesn't... It's a scene, weird moment. It's a, it's a weird moment. It is. And, and not only that, if I remember it correctly, I'm not looking at the exact page at this moment, but Clark changes in the reporter, like, open area. He, yeah. he's not even, yeah. he doesn't even change in, like, the bathroom. He, like, plays a prank on Firestorm, basically. Yeah, he does. And then he has a cute scene where he taps Firestorm in the head, being like, you know, hello, McFly, is basically what he's saying to him. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, the two heroes head off to go question Crisscross Applesauce in hopes of clearing Professor Stein. On the way, they come across two, uh, the two remote planes I mentioned earlier. They're firing on a U.S. Navy submarine. Superman immediately breaks off from Firestorm to intercept the missiles that these uh, planes have fired. Superman flies so fast that it generates a supersonic boom that destroys the missiles. Then as uh, these missiles have exploded, they're nuclear, nu- nuclear, they're atomic. Anyway, and so he uses his super breath and actually freezes all the radioactive fallout that's up in the air. I don't know how that works. But he freezes all the radioactive fallout, and then he throw- hurls it out into space, which is like, honestly, if you accept the science, it's pretty cool. So Firestorm then is left fighting these, these fighter jets we mentioned a second ago. He takes out one of them, and then he's being shot at by the second one. Superman, meanwhile, traces the jets back to the USS Rayburn and immediately gets uh, attacked by the, by the now super-powered crisscross applesauce. The, apparently the lightning bolt that struck Cross uh, apparently fused all those computer components and the plutonium with him, and now he has gained all these abilities to control technology, and he is in fact calling himself crisscross applesauce, and he uses this power to take command of all the satellites in orbit around the Earth. Uh, Firestorm, meanwhile, is fighting that second jet. He gets rid of the second jet in a complete gravity-defying hijinks, which makes no sense, but whatever. Crisscross then uses the power he's gained from connecting to these defense satellite network. He connects to the whole, you know, U.S. defense system satellites. It makes him even more powerful, and he starts beating up Superman. So Firestorm then goes up to go fight, to stop the satellites. He starts blowing up the satellites in orbit, which disrupts Crisscross Applesauce's network. His power begins to fade, and then Superman knock, uh, knocks out Crisscross Applesauce. And then, in an astonishingly quick half-page wrap-up, Stein's name is cleared, and we find out that it wasn't actually Stein that was the uh, traitor; it was one of his coworkers. And that is the end of the story. It is also worth mentioning in the very beginning, 
uh, Jerry Conway, the writer, right, has a note that says uh, – because the, the, I forgot to name the, the episode. I'm sorry. I forgot the, to name the, the issue. Chaos, the Chaos Network. Thank you. Um, thank you uh, with your 17 years of smoking. Um, <laughs> it's not terrible. Anyway, so uh, Jerry wrote, with apologies to Claire Sterling and her book, The Terror Network. So I had to look that up. And I was like, Wonder, how does that connect? She wrote a book, which sounds actually kind of interesting, which argued that the USSR was actually using terrorists as a proxy force to sort of you know infiltrate and cause havoc. They're, they were actually funding terrorists. And some people believe she was right. Some people believe she wasn't, but uh, interesting. And so the idea here was that Criss Cross was going to become a terrorist for an American enemy uh, agent. Because he's so inconspicuous. So, right, in his nakedness with his ex- his exes. His exes across the skin. Right. I was going to say, they look like they're just body paint, but when they get up closer, they're actually like scars. So they're actually kind of creepy looking if they're drawn close up enough. So what do you think of this story, Rob? Oh, it's profoundly silly, uh, but it has a lot of great moments. Rich Buckler and Bob Smith are a nice combination. They did a couple of JLAs uh, together. Um, mm. So there's, and I mean, you know, uh, the, it, I, I think it's sort of funny how Arbitrarily, Superman reveals his identity to Firestorm. Yeah, well, I noticed <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in a story written by Jerry Conway, not a story written by a Superman writer. Right, yeah. I mean, he just he's just like – and the way he pulls a prank on him, it's just so – you know, it's just like so silly. But no, it's a lot of fun. You know, it moves at a great pace and, and like I said, Buckler's a great – artist for this kind of material he's he was really good at like interesting angles and poses and really good at characters that could fly especially and mm-hmm. when you've got two characters that can fly it's a really good story because buckler was somebody who whose figures were not uh necessarily um uh, held down by gravity and so when he had figures that literally aren't held down by gravity i think he really kind of uh, no pun intended sword so this is i've never read this story before so uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, good. I mean, I'm Chris, glad you I mean, enjoyed it. It's, Chris, um, Chris Cross is a total mort. But, he is. but But Superman, watching Superman get to punch somebody at his level is always fun. I mean, except Buckler was good at that like level of like Michael Bay, Irwin Allen-sized blowing stuff up. And uh, <laughs> the, that last panel is real, of him punching the lights out of Criss Cross is super, no pun intended. Uh, this story does wrap up very quickly. It feels like Jerry forgot. He's like, oh, geez, I got to do all that. And then there's like all the, you know, that last panel has dialogue by Superman and Rowney Raymond and the other guy, plus the plug for Firestorm, plus the plug for the next issue of DCCP. So it's like they had a lot to get in at the last second. It's almost like Jerry didn't know he only had 25 pages. Yeah. It's almost like he thought he had 27, 28 pages or something. Because, yeah, I'd say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, share an editorial, maybe, I guess the way to put it. This is pure opinion, speculation. I have nothing to base this on. But every once in a while when I'm reading one of these DC Comics Presents that are written by different writers, I get, I, I, ha- I can't help but wonder how much notice did they have that they had to do this comic? Like, how much notice was the writer given? Did he have the normal amount of notice? Did he say, oh, hey, can you do this story for us? Or was it more like last minute, like, oh, hey, let's do this because it'll help promote Firestorm number one. Jerry, can you throw something together? Because... There's not much to this story. There's really not. I mean, Firestorm, honestly, you could remove Firestorm from the entire story, and it works as a Superman story. Superman catches the, 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 the tra- traitor. The traitor gains powers. Superman battles the guy and takes him out. You could you know, remove every bit of Firestorm in here. You know, that's true. I, uh, yeah, uh, that is true now that you say it. And the way it wraps up so quickly, 
it, it's, I'm, I'm not saying it was originally a Superman story and then Conway changed it. I just think that Conway had to throw something together quickly. That'd be my guess. Because, you know, he's busy trying to launch Firestorm. He's trying to make sure Firestorm are 1, 2, and 3 are probably the best issues he's ever written because he wants it to be great out of the gate. And it was. And so this would be something I would think he would throw together as quick as he could. There's, there's other things, too. I mean, just there's not much to crisscross either. You know, most of the story is spent in Professor Stein being, you know, accused of treason and Superman taking down the terrorists in, in the beginning. Very little of it is actually with crisscross. Uh, that's It's kind of just at the end where they, they do go meet him, but he's more of a threat for what he can do rather than who he is. You mm. know, with controlling computers and controlling planes and stuff like that. But I still enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I do love it. Now, if I had to choose between DC Comics Presents number 17, which is also written by Jerry Conway featuring Firestorm, or DC Comics Presents 45, I'd probably pick 17. I think it's also a bit of a testament that Criss Cross never returned, and Jerry Conway never, never ignored a chance to reuse a character. There's always uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I was going to say that joke. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's okay. I was going to say Let's Legends of Tomorrow is all about the return of Criss Cross. <laughs> I know. You have to notice that on page three, the the splash page, and there's the little origins up top. Yeah. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Firestorm created by Jerry Shoot. Conway. It's yeah. spelled, spelled J-E-R-R-Y, not G-E-R-R-Y. I did notice that. I think yeah. the letterer fell, you know, fell asleep on the job there. <laughs> Damn it, Brenda Pope. Oh, snap! I did like Rich Buckler's. I mean, he's got some really dramatic poses in here. Uh, his panel design is interesting. It's, for the most part, his panel design is, is fairly traditional, and yet he makes it attractive. Um, and he also puts, he puts little flares in panels. Yeah, he's that great. I like. He's a great superhero artist. Yeah, he is. Like, I, I, like, I don't mean that as a knock, like, oh, he's not good at this, but he's a guy whose style is perfect for superhero action. It's yeah, it makes it compelling. Good. Like, even, even the, the mundane stuff. Like, there's a scene where... The traders are coming down via parachute, and the guy is taking a photo of them. And it's a close-up of a camera, and you can see it happening in the lens. Like, that's a nice little panel. It's, it's nothing. It's throwaway. But it conveys a lot in the drawing, and it's not something you would normally see. And then when Firestorm's passing through the wall in the Daily Planet, he actually has to stop to, like, pull his leg through. Yep. Which is yeah. kind of funny. His so figures just... are always doing something. They're not yeah. just standing there. Yeah. Or when, when Superman pokes Firestorm in the head with his finger. You know, there's, you're right. Yep. There's always something happening, so it's yep. nice. I like it. I don't have a lot more to say about it. it it's a fun comic. It's it's very very disposable. Um, I honestly, when I picked it up to read it, I couldn't remember the first thing about it. I was like, oh, I know I've read this thing probably four or five times. I don't remember anything about it, and probably tomorrow, I'm not going to remember much about it either. I hope I remember enough about it to post some pictures on Tumblr. But um, uh, it's. It's just fun, disposable comic, which is probably what DC Comics Presents was always intended. Yeah, that's exactly what that book was supposed to be, other yep. than a promotional thing. Yes, yep. it was supposed to be so. fun Superman team-ups. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for the first half of the show, where we talk about some of our old favorite team-up books with our favorite characters. So we're going to take a break. We're going to play a few promos. Might play more than usual. Um, and then when we come back on the other side, a very important announcement about the future of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am back. You need to take the trash out. Hey, I'm trying to make a trailer for a podcast. Oh, you mean Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast? Why, yes, that is what I mean. The show where you and I discuss all things geeky. Comics, TV, movies, books, you name it. Well, are you going to tell them that you can find the show at www.supermatescomic.com? Dot blogspot.com. Well, I think you kind of already did. 
and that new shows will be posted bi-weekly every two weeks. I was, but you just kind of did that too. Well, see, now you can go take out the trash. Great. So join us, Cindy and Chris Franklin for the Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast at supermatescomic.blogspot.com. Black Canary. I'll need a sparring partner. I'm Zatanna. Why do you care about some leggy dame in nylons? Or have I answered my own question? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for match. Black Canary and Zatanna. Together in one podcast. Power of Fishnets, hosted by Ryan Daly, coming in 2016. The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, in which four guys talk about romance comics and about romances in comics with Siskoid. We're all uh, French Canadians here. Marty! In horror comics, there's often like this little, you know, <laughs> romance tinge, I guess. Okay. Bass. <laughs> we oh, just yeah. turned on him! <laughs> and yours truly, Fern. I'm very aroused. Featuring the overproduced wonder that is Romance Comics Theater every episode. Dan, I knew it couldn't last from the first day you eyeballed me when I reported to work. It wouldn't matter if I washed in laundry soap and came to work in a burlap sack. I'd turn you on. And you have the same effect on me. I... I do? The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, available at lonelyheartspodcast.wordpress.com and on iTunes. Hey everybody, we're back. For some reason, I am talking. Um... Yeah, the, the big announcement that we wanted to make uh, is we've been hinting about it for a little while, little knowing glances here and there. Uh, we are going to be launching later on this year, in 2016, the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Woo! It's also very exciting. Uh, this is going to be, as a lot of other podcasts, there was a collection of shows. Uh, we, of course, already have a bunch of shows. We have the Fire and Water podcast, of course. We have the Film and Water podcast. We have the Who's Who podcast, the Power Records podcast, the uh, no longer defunct Hero Points podcast. Uh, so we have all these shows, and we are going to make them available. They're all going to be available on one feed as they are now but they're also going to be available on their individual feeds and we're going to have um, a dedicated website which is going to be firewaterpodcast.com it's going to be very exciting we're going to have a facebook page we're going to have a twitter feed for the network but it's not just us uh we are bringing some friends along with us isn't that right Shaq? Absolutely. Uh, joining the Fire and Water Podcast Network will be Ryan Daly. He's bringing with him his Secret Origins podcast. He's bringing with him uh, his brand new spanking rebranded Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna podcast, and also his rebranded Star Wars podcast called Give Me Those Star Wars. Uh, also coming with us is our pals Chris and Cindy Franklin of the Supermates podcast. We're very happy about that. The Husband and Wife Geek Cast. Husband and Wife Geek Cast. That's right. Also joining us uh, is going to be Siskoid. 
bringing with him is uh, the Lonely Hearts Romance Comics podcast. And uh, in the near future, he's going to be launching another podcast dedicated to the massive DC Comics crossover, Invasion. Add to that my own new show, Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast. So with all of this together, with Rob, myself, Ryan, Chris, Cindy, Siskoid, it's an incredible collaboration. We're so excited about the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It truly is a neat experience. It goes well beyond what this this whole podcast thing started with back in 2011, with fire being firestorm and aqua man being water. Now, fire and water means so much more. You know, I keep te- teasing Chris. You know, which one of him, him and Cindy, are the fire and the water? Pretty sure Cindy's the fire, and he's the water. But it's a it's it's a great collaboration, and it, it's going to be launching in very early 2016. We're not giving you a date yet, just so we can lock everything down and get it all working. But uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason we wanted to do this was um, is that, like I said, one of the things that we're going to be adding is all the shows are going to exist on one feed, kind of the way we've been doing it right now. So you download the feed, you get Fire and Water, you get Film and Water, you get Hero Points, you get Who's Who, you get Power Records. And that's going to stay the same. And um, we're eventually going to be adding Chris and Cindy and Siskoid and Ryan shows to the feed. So if you just want to hear all the shows, you can subscribe to one feed. You won't have to change it. It'll, if all goes well, it'll be the same feed that you're using right now on iTunes or Stitcher or what other crazy thing that you're using. <laughs> um, but we will also have separate feeds for every show. So if you just want to listen to some shows, even though it's going to break our heart, you can listen to just some shows. You will be able to listen to the, subscribe to those individual feeds. And part of that came from me a little uh, because, like, in terms of the film and water podcast, like, if I had enough time, I would record I would record like three or four film and waters a week because I have just have so many movies I want to talk about. But I didn't want to, no pun intended, drown the fire and water feed in movie episodes. Because, you know, I could see people were like, hey, I don't want to necessarily see this show that I didn't subscribe to showing up. Well, now it's going to be its own thing. So if you just want to listen to fire and water, you'll be able to do that. It's going to, it's going to have all those options available to you. And that's part of the thing that, that got us excited. It's just it, it helps... Uh, and allow everyone to sort of do give the maximum uh, amount of options in terms of following the shows, and you know we'll get to be able to promote each other's work a little more, and uh, you know get to do some more crossovers. It'll be a whole lot of fun. And also, I think it's going to help new people find the show too, because you know who's who. It- I'll just put it out there: who's who's our our most popular show. Yes. It's our most downloaded show. I was completely wrong about that. I, I like hearing that. That's nice. We should put that I'm, on a reoccurring I'm willing to say when it's true. I was completely <laughs> wrong about that. And, you know, it, right now it's buried in the in the Fire and Water podcast feed. So when someone's on iTunes, it's kind of hard to find. So now having its own feed, it'll bring in a bunch of new people. And it will attract new people to the Fire and Water, you know, family of podcasts, the, the community, the nuclear subs. And uh, we'll all, you know, it'll just expand. The community will continue to grow. And for those of you who... Only want to subscribe to one show. If, if, if Hero Points is the only show you want to listen to, terribly sorry for you. I hope you're very patient. Got a then lot you of, can do got that. a lot of free time. <laughs> so that's the big announcement, folks. The Fire and Water Podcast Network is launching. The family is growing. And uh, we are building a, a, we're building a bigger community together. So welcome aboard, Ryan Daly, Chris and City Franklin, and Siskoid. We're very excited to be working with you.
Yeah, it ought to be a lot of fun. And like I said, once we have everything locked down and we're all ready to go, we will, of course, make that announcement. And uh, we're also looking very forward to having a, a dedicated Facebook page. And then we will no longer sort of be splitting comments over everybody's different things. Most people went to Firestorm Fame anyway, let's just be honest. But it'll be nice to have one place for everybody to comment in one spot. It'll be easier for us to track. And I think it'll be more fun for everybody to have everybody's comments all in sort of one location. So, look for that, folks. The Fire and Water Podcast Network coming soon to a pod catcher near you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we really thought that through. Wow, okay. Well, uh, for now, Rob, why don't we tell them where to find the current social media and where to find us and everything until things get up and running. So, right now, you can find my friend Rob um, over at AquamanShrine.net. You can find him on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle. You can also find him on Twitter under the handle uh, Film and Water Pod. So one of the longest handles on Twitter. Oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> New Year, same jokes. You can find me at FirestormFan.com. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter primarily. You know what? I'm going to share something. I have a New Year's resolution. I am going to do less uh, – let me put it – how, how do I – how should I say this? I'm going to get control of my social media. I think I'm going to begin to pull back from Tumblr and Pinterest and Instagram and Google+. I'm just going to start to sort of focus primarily on Twitter and Facebook because it's, it's just too darn hard to keep Hasn't up with Google them Hasn't Google pulled back from Google+. Well, they, they did too. That's true. But I'm not saying I'm going to abandon them, abandon them completely. So if you're, if you're that guy who uses Google+, and there are actually quite a few of you that are still out there, you know, I'm still going to keep posting stuff, but I'm – I'm not going to actively search these networks anymore for Firestorm posts and stuff like that. I'm, I'm going to begin to scale myself back just to get a little control of my life. So anyway, so if you're looking for me, primarily hit me up on Twitter and uh, Facebook, please. So, and you can find the Tumblr for the show where you'll find several scans from this DC Comics Presents and Batman Brave and the Bold comic book over at – what's that Tumblr address from? Fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com and the email address is firewaterpodcast.comcast.net. All right, folks, that's going to do it. And Rob, I think uh, the only thing left to say is until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Pray for Mojo. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in air. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore!